0: All right, hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to PT Tech Talk number five. Rob, how are you?
1: I'm good, man. Just hanging out, drinking some coffee.
0: Excellent. I want to. I, I, I just want to show off my my wooden bat right here. This is actually made by Monarch Bat Company, uh, a friend of mine who I used to play with down in South Jersey. He makes custom bats. Nice. And uh, <clears throat> again, can you tell which is my favorite color? Yeah. <laughs> Gold, Have you ever seen a, a solid golden- green bat?
1: No, man, it's awesome.
0: So, uh, yeah, I actually played with a bunch of guys here in Brooklyn called the Brooklyn Ramblers, and I got on the team uh, two years ago. And when I was still treating patients here in Brooklyn, I was treating a guy around my age, and he had plantar fasciitis. No big deal. He eventually got better.
1: Yeah,
0: but uh, we were talking about sports and baseball, and then he was he had played some college baseball, and I played college baseball, so we were talking about that, and he said you know, you should come out to our pickup baseball. Like we, we play once a week, like almost all year round, like, like close to uh, eight or nine months of the year, depending on the weather. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so he's like, yeah, you should come out and play. And I've been playing for close to two years now and and I love it. It's, it's super competitive. It's hard, it's real baseball because everyone says like, Oh, like weekend softball. I'm like, no, (laughs) no I that nothing against that, but right. no, no arc pitch or anything like we're playing with fast balls, balls. Yeah. Real baseballs. We put helmets on, uh, catchers mm-hmm. call balls and strikes. And, um, and so I love that. And I wanted to just show the bat real quick because we are, uh, starting up now Nice, and, um, and I'm pumped for it. So, uh, how about Amazing. you? How about you with any sports, uh, recently or in the past?
1: I haven't played recently in a while, but, uh, I played pretty much everything growing up. Um, like you had said before we started that you'd played, let's see, soccer forever. Um, soccer, baseball. I thought I was going to be a baseball player. That was my thing growing up really? was I was, I'd always write down, what are you going to be when you grow up? Baseball player. And then they oh, yeah. turn it to me and say, Same. no, I want you to say something that's more realistic and, Every teacher would say that. I, uh, uh, yeah. Teachers, please do not crush yeah. our dreams. Stop. Stop <laughs> saying that. Because even if we try, we're still going <coughs> to have some sort of a, an attempt or an effort at a goal. You don't sit there and say, I want to be an astronaut, which is just as rare, if not more rare. It's yeah. definitely more rare. Never mind. Yeah. How many people are <laughs> in space? There, the whole there's thing. a little less astronauts than <laughs> yeah, astronauts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Those numbers don't make sense. And then they just say, Oh, that's great. You just keep pushing yourself, Mr. Astronaut, pat you on the back. I hated that. But yeah, I thought I was going to be a baseball player growing up. Loved playing baseball. Um, And then I played football. My mom would not let me play football. This was the story back in eighth grade. So I had to become a manager. And so, basically, taking pads out and doing all the cleaning and getting the water, and that lasted all of a one day because I went home and I was like, "Mom, I can't do this." Everybody's hanging out and playing football and laughing, and I have to sit there and get them water. She was like, "Yeah, okay, all right, I'll let you play." So I started playing football, and then I was a quarterback. Just I think mainly because I was small, they wanted me to be the quarterback. So that's the dumbest position ever because in eighth grade, nobody knew how to block. So I was just getting creamed regardless of what and who we were playing. But I moved from quarterback and then in high school became a defensive back. And I used to be fast, Mm -hmm. went into uh, college and walked on and then got a little scholarship money for the second year that I was there. But then I blew my hamstring nicely and had it roll up on me. So I used to be the guy that could run like a 4-4-40. Four, four, I was the fast guy. And nice. After I blew my hamstring, I became a steady four six four seven guy. So I moved from being a cornerback, covering all the fast people, to basically an inside defensive back that would just work on all the uh, the inside cuts and everything. So that was fun. It's, which school was that? Which, which college? Southwest, it's called Texas State now. But uh, it was t- Southwest Texas State when I went there. It's about 30 minutes south of Austin, Division I A school. Um, Dude,
0: Texas, don't mess around with football.
1: No, no, not at all. It was, I mean, pretty much everybody that would play at a 1AA school here in Texas could easily, I mean, the, the worst 1A schools yeah. were usually always offering um, scholarships to people who ended up coming to the 1AA. So. I'm just, I'm
0: just, I, I don't know why this just popped into my head, but if I were hiring someone or partnering with someone yeah, and I had looked at the resume and I had nothing, I knew nothing about this person. Yeah. But if, if coming from Texas and playing football was on the resume, right. I've never, I've never <laughs> been in Texas. I have no affiliate. I, I don't like the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know. I, I have mean, no affiliation you. with Texas, but Texas it, in football, like it requires such a seriousness and commitment as far right. as I've seen through stories or movies and, and different, um, different like figures, right. That, it, that would just be very compelling for me in terms of either an employee or a partnership or right. anything. It just really tells a lot about a person.
1: Um, yeah, it's know, maybe pretty,
0: maybe more than other things can.
1: Yeah. They start super young here. I'm talking peewee football when you're, you know, four or five years old. You're putting on pads. I think they're they've made, of course, with the, the concussion information coming out. They're kind right. of pulling back a little bit. But they used to just let people just go and just bang continuously. Little kids, you know. Yeah. So that's something coming out that I'm glad has started to reverse. Because I remember seeing that. Like I said, my mom didn't let me start playing until after I begged her in eighth grade. But. I always had coaches that I would play like baseball with and they would start Pee Wee football league and try and talk my mom and dad into let me play. Come on. He can come out there. He's a, he's a great athlete. We need him. She was just like, no, 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 no. He's not playing. But yeah, that was something growing up, especially in high school. I mean, you would play, I played against, um, I don't know if you know Casey Hampton who played on the Steelers for a while. We played against that dude multiple times in high school. And that guy was a, he was a train. He would take our whole offensive line and just, just one (laughs) arm, move him out of the way and sack the quarterback. And just the, the, I think at least four or five NFL players we played against just in our, our, um, our division. Mm -hmm. So our division in Texas, one division is like 10 teams out of that division. We had four or five NFL players come out. So throughout Texas, I mean, when you got to the state championship, more than likely the state championship team in Texas had at least three or four people that were going to the NFL. So it was insane, the amount of talent and the level of uh, difficulty. And of course I was the white guy. So being the fast white guy in high school, it was plenty of opportunities for like the first quarter because every quarterback was like, oh yeah, we're throwing deep on this guy immediately. And then I would keep up and and usually knock the ball down. And oh, okay, we can't do that anymore. Hold on, got to switch the game plan here. But yeah, that was fun, man.
0: When you know, obviously, growing up, we we always want to be pro sports players. A lot of children, mm-hmm. regardless, male or female, like we want to we want to be this particular figure that we see, right? Right. And, and that and if we could get there that would be awesome that would have been amazing right like if if you wanted to be a, a pro baseball player or football player i wanted to be a pro baseball player right and so um you know things don't work out because you just know at a certain point like you like there's 12 there's 12 um <clears throat> scouts yeah. you know looking and talking to one baseball player on the on this team on your team or the next team right. and you just know you have you have some realization or you be- you become uh, a little bit more aware that like, as much as you want that you, you can't achieve it. You just know. Right. And so I, I'm kind of spinning this into like, it's awesome that we then eventually found physical therapy and technology, regardless of which one really came first with, with a passion. Right. Um, but being a pro sports athlete, you can really, the, the lifespan is very small yeah. for, for the average versus if you're a physical therapist you could easily treat patients until you're what 60 65 right. maybe maybe even 70 right but even more so with technology you can set up systems and processes and companies such as your service or my service that right. could be operating and rolling forward even if mm-hmm. we're unable to right yeah. not just in, not incapacitated but if if we're just unable to physically reach all those people Right. Technology really leverages a lot of that. So any thoughts when I just lay that out there in terms of either physical therapy with a longer lifespan guaranteed compared to like pro athletes, which would have been awesome, but then physical therapy and technology.
1: I think one thing that's great about even having that goal and hitting that point where you're like, ah, this isn't going to work for me. Okay. But the confidence now that you've built from doing athletics and sports and attempting to be the best that you can possibly be at something physical and converting that into something that's a little more mentally challenging, like getting into a PT program. And honestly, that was one of the things that helped me get into it, was playing sports and having that on my resume. The PT program I went to, I I was going to have determination and drive, and I wasn't going to quit. So anybody that has that type of goal, they're going to find something that they love and they can turn into a career. And that's how I got into it.
0: So you said you used your, you know, you leveraged some of those previous participations in sports to get into physical therapy school. What about either some of the sports learnings or anything throughout your other curriculums that you maybe have leveraged into technology or vice versa?
1: I don't know, man. I think it was from a personal interest. Um, I know when I got into PT school, one of the questions when I was going through the interview process, was that pretty strenuous for you? Were they grilling you with questions? Not really, because I had the direct
0: entry program. So I had decided oh, in high school yeah. that I wanted to do a six-year DPT. Oh, so sweet. I interviewed like as a whatever junior or senior of in high school and then and then chose to do my undergrad and graduate school all at the same school in Philly, University of the Sciences. And nice. so I had <clears throat> I had already kind of looked out the next <clears throat> six years, which was not every seventeen or eighteen year old can do that no no kidding um, and it doesn't have anything to do about your mentality it's just like you may not have come across what you or you may not have found what you really want to pursue so it was different compared to those rigorous the rigorous interviews when you've already had your bachelor's you transfer somewhere else and you're looking yeah. to get into grad school
1: yeah we don't have anything like that down this way yet that I know of there I've only heard of a few like up in
0: Up in, I think, Boston Northeastern University does it where they have a a six year direct entry. So it's actually, once you graduate school, it's three years undergrad, accelerated undergrad. And then the next three years are the first, second, and third DPT school years. You get your bachelor's and your DPT in six years instead of seven. Because if you go to a state school or another four year school that doesn't have PT, you're there for four years to get your bachelor's in whatever. And then you transfer somewhere else and you have to do three years of PT school. So, right. That's seven. So you save a year of tuition, but, but again, you just, you have to have that understanding when you're 17 or 18 and not all students do, and it had nothing to do with your intelligence or or anything like that. It's just like, you may not really know what you want to pursue.
1: whenever they were doing the interviews with us, I remember specifically uh, interviewing for the PT program. Like I had already created radio aid and started that whole business. And when I got into the program, I remember asking the professors, who were they were kind of grilling me on what I had learned from my volunteer hours. And I just kind of stopped at some point and I was like, Can I ask you guys a question? They're like, No, okay. I was like, What do you guys see technology doing in our field now or in the future? And they just said, Well, you know, we use overheads and we use PowerPoint. And I was like, No, 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 no. Oh, Not God. what I'm talking about.
0: But We we uh, turn the light switch on.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like just dropping my folder, leaving. I'm out of here. You guys <laughs> don't even know me. So I came into the program itself with kind of a bias because I already had a tech background and then getting into the PT program. I remember having that as a mindset straight off the bat. It's a sleeper topic that I don't think our industry has looked at enough. that The technology piece? Yeah, Definitely.
0: Well, that's why hopefully this brings some stories and ideas to (laughs) to the surface and different uh, products and services, things that really are not inside of healthcare, things that you mentioned before, like pipe drive or, you know, like there's no PTs using that or inspect to look at, you know, like heat maps or where people are clicking on your website and all those types of things. So there's definitely a lot of um, things to leverage. I I do want to say though, I, I do like how a lot of PTs have been using things like Periscope. Yeah. Like, yeah. uh, like Jeff Moore, for example, yeah. um, up until recently, he's taken a little break, but up until recently he was doing a, a periscope every day at the same time. Yeah. And he really grew his following really quickly. Yeah. And he was doing a, a periscope before he saw patients. I, I believe it was around six thirty AM central time yeah. in, in Michigan. Oh. Um, I believe Check on, let me know, Jeff, you're not in Michigan. (laughs) Um, So, and I, and even like Dr. Jared Carter, like he'll jump on and do some, some, um, not podcasts, some, some quick videos on there. Right. And there's just been a lot of, you know, use with, I mean, some of those apps and some of those things are like really mainstream, Yeah. but it's great to see a lot of PTs on Twitter or it's great to see you know, PT is all over different social media platforms, even the, the get, get PT first. Right. And, and, and having that initiative really out there on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Sean's doing a great job with that. And, and really that has gotten a lot of um, attention and right. it deserves a lot of attention and hopefully a lot more of that research can get out there and, and right. we're leveraging the channels and platforms to get that research out and get that message out.
1: Yeah. I've been pretty late to the game and in Twitter specifically, I don't know. Um, when did, when did get PT first really start gaining some traction and maybe you don't know, but since I'm so late to it and you have been on there for, have you been on Twitter for a little while?
0: I, I was on, I had a previous account that I had uh, a previous email address that I I lost uh, access to basically. Oh no! So I used to have at Dave underscore Kittle. Yeah, yeah. And so I went to a brand new account, and I went from zero tweets back up. You know. Oh wow! Yeah. So now I have at Dave Kittle now.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I would say maybe the past four years, maybe oh, wow. total, yeah. like not even that long three, it, three, four
1: years. Have you seen that grow? Like the use of PT on Twitter? Cause it's, pretty, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: every, every five. year there's, there's more and more, you know, whether it's hashtag DPT student or right. hashtag fresh, fresh PT or, or hashtag new grad PT, like right. there's always new, new DPT students, um, signing up and, uh, yeah. connecting either with myself or others. And, and it's just great. Like, and I, and I see their first tweet or their first five or 10 tweets like in right. just jumping on board. So it's definitely growing. And yeah. it only takes like one, you know, the, the person in your DPT class doesn't have to be like Jimmy McKay at PT Pinecast where he's, right. you know, completely plugged in. Um, but it could just be someone that's like, Oh yeah, you know, I'm on Twitter and they might've used Twitter just to talk about random things. But, but now it's like, there's some context about, there's this huge conversation going on and it's our field. It's the profession. And then there's you and I on there talking about technology as well, or, you know, sports or, you know, all these other.
1: I don't don't really see many, the good thing. And since I popped on there is that that many flame wars or anything where people are dogging each other, it's actually conversations, even though it's 140 characters, it's still good conversations with some, you know, valid links. And it's, When I started 12 years ago getting out into the field, it was really tribal. I mean, super tribal. Just this is McKenzie and this is manual therapy and we don't talk. And if we do, it's a war. You know, there was really not a bunch of conversations. Well, probably because there wasn't a platform that people were able to connect and have intelligent conversations. And I think technology allowing those conversations to be public makes the discourse a lot more civil and a lot more thoughtful and thought provoking because it's, it's something where, you know, if you're going to be a jackass, everybody's going to see it and it kind of hey, Okay. This guy. But if you actually show intelligence and can see the other person's point of view, I think that's, it seems like that has, has, has kind of dissolved some of that tribalism. I'm yeah. sure it's still there and those people are probably not on Twitter interacting <laughs> with the, with at least the circle that I know of. And that's the one thing that I, that I wonder about is like my circle, maybe this big, but the actual people, <clears throat> this big, and I'm just, I can't see the forest from the trees. Yeah. That's the one thing that I, that I, I don't see it as an issue or a problem. I just want to have a map of where everybody is, you know, PT wise to kind of see the whole picture versus just what I'm seeing in my circle. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I would, I definitely say that all of that has kind of decreased with more communication between each other and different parties and especially on Twitter. And I would say it's probably less of the online exchanges that you are probably used to seeing over the past, maybe five, 10 years, where people are just, like it, it, my, my example of this would be go on YouTube and look at the comments.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And right. that is like a downfall of the internet in terms of uh, anonymity and, and it's like a gravatar and you don't know who this person is. So they'll just, people just say asinine comments and yeah. things and really can be really offensive. And right. Twitter is, um, I mean, that's why I like following and connecting on Twitter with like the actual real person, like, and they right. have a link and they have their location versus like, it's a, it's an, it's an anonymous account and, and like, it's a cartoon and it's like, right. what is this? Like, yeah. You know, and, and you don't know how to really communicate with this person because the way you and I are talking right now is yeah. the way we would communicate on Twitter. And
1: that's what I'm used to. Yeah. That's been, that's been something that I see is super beneficial. You really can't be tribal in PT anymore. I mean, they say, so many tools in a tool belt. And then you have that group that says, well, no, there is no tool belt. There's just one way, but there's never just one way. I mean, that's the whole thing with finding out about any sort of treatment of diseases. They can't just have a, a one size fits all. That's why the, the genome project is so important. When you can break down a, a, a DNA strand and find everybody's genomic makeup and then figure out and break down that genomic makeup to what you're predisposed to. And then the next big step is figuring out how to treat that. That's going to be huge technology wise in the future.
0: Right. And speaking about technology, uh, you and I, we've had some doctor physical therapy students and some, some other professionals reach out to us in regards to what we're going to kind of roll out and test and see how it goes with PT tech talk back channel Yeah, uh, where we're going to, you and I are going to have a, I don't know if we should say mastermind, maybe you can think of a better word, but yeah, like a yeah. kind of like similar to this communication, this type of uh, engagement, but um, not not uh, published publicly, but something that we would have, um, you know, scheduled behind the scenes. And um, if there's any individuals that are interested, reach out to Rob and I, Rob's email is rob at ptlive.me. That's dot .me. Yep. Or you could reach out to me, Dave, Dave at Venetial com, yep. uh, or we're on Twitter as well. Um, so if anyone's interested in building websites, how to build an app, uh, trying to roll out your idea like in a very cost effective manner, yeah, um, even even just getting things rolling, or just the the physical therapy and and technology connection, whether and you know I, I have. DPTs or or PTs reach out to me fairly often and they'll ask about like, Oh, you know, I, I have this idea for an app or a website. And I was just wondering if I could bounce a couple things off of you. So I'm going to, I'm going to be able to go back into my email from the past two, three years and pull out some of these responses and these little vignettes and see if those are helpful to this right. back channel that we're going to start to build. So if, yeah. anyone's, if anyone's interested, I figure I would mention it now later in the video, because if someone gets to this point of the video, yeah. and they're still watching, <laughs> you're probably you maybe interested in, in hearing yeah. more about that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that's going to be something that's going to be super valuable because you can have any idea, any topic, any niche, and you can type it in and find some sort of information. There's not a whole lot yet on I'm a PT. I want to create X, Y, or Z. How do I do that? So yeah, having that that back channel is going to be a concentrated heap of all the shortcuts. Like we've talked about before, myself personally listening to as many business podcasts as I can possibly listen to, that helped me shortcut a whole bunch of time and a whole bunch of mistakes and, and dodge the pitfalls. That's actually
0: an awesome point because I also love listening to the podcast, especially whether it's the one that you just recently mentioned to me, startups for the rest of us, or it's Mixer G or this week on startups, when you can listen to different business models and different ideas and list the most important thing you just mentioned, hearing other people's mistakes so that you can avoid that mistake. You might make others, but rather than making a hundred, you may only make 50 mistakes. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and listen, this is all this is all testing, and you have to throw some things against the wall and see if they stick. Yeah. But vital, vital to learn from other people's mistakes to cut down your mistake rate right. yeah. <laughs> and see it, you know and be able to basically not waste time and money because those are the biggest assets that you will yeah. have at this
1: point. Yeah, and we can be we can be somebody's uh, clinical rotation for technology oh. and physical oh. therapy, just like you're learning from your your CI. When you're doing those rotations, there you go. You want to have somebody that has done it before and is a well-spoken teacher that can show you all those shortcuts that we were talking about. So yeah, we'll be your TCI, your technical clinical instructor.
0: Yeah. So, you know, if you're a DPT student, you can uh, submit a proposal to your, uh, <laughs> your, uh, what is it? The DCCE. I mean, right. we we're just, jo- Rob, we we're just joking about that, but you could yeah. you can submit that idea to your, your professors and then you can say, uh, yeah, have you heard about PT Live and Venetial? And It's right. owned and operated and created by physical therapists that, you know, were no smarter or, you know, yeah. more intelligent than I am. Yeah. Um, and so it really just takes a lot of hustle, but at the same time, uh, learning from a lot of different sources. And I think, you know, potentially linking up with us, And just, uh, you know, again, because we we will learn from you as well, anyone that that would be doing this back channel.
1: Yeah, that's the I think that's one of the greatest points of why San Francisco and the Silicon Valley is so successful is because they have that mindset of sharing and learning from each other. And that's the same thing here. If if you don't have a safe environment, if you don't have a safe space where you can actually share your information and your ideas and then have critical feedback and accept that feedback in a way that is going to help you learn, that's an environment that can be successful. That's why some clinical rotations are more successful or not quite as successful. It's usually based on your, your CI and how comfortable they make you. And that's one thing that I found when I was a CI running a clinic and having students come through, I would put them in the clinic, introduce them to people, introduce them to the new patient they would see, even if it was their first one. I would say, hey, I'm gonna put you in this room with this new patient. I know you may have never done one of these before, but I'm gonna have, I'm gonna get you a victory right off the bat. I'm gonna stand outside the door and even walk around the clinic, but I'm gonna have my ear out, but I want you to just get comfortable. Just talk to this person like you're talking to your friend and just do the evaluation and I'll be back in and we'll, I'll answer all your questions and clean up any mess you might have made. And that's it. I think we can provide that with technical, clinical instruction. I think that would be really, really helpful. And just getting people comfortable, not only dipping their toe in, but man, if we could start seeing students come out and having professors that would allow just even wireframing and creating a prototype of some sort of software that will impact and directly relates to physical therapy... Mm -hmm. That would be massive. That would be giving everybody a leg up.
0: Yeah. And and it may sound a little crazy, but it's actually not. And here's an example. Mm -hmm. Our, our buddy, Ryan Smith, a student at Ohio state. He's graduating this spring. Right. He's doing a rotation right now at entropy physiotherapy in Chicago, but he's not seeing any patients. Right. Yep. He's doing the business business side. He's working on their website. He's working on the customer experience. He's communicating with patients as they enter and exit the clinic. Right. And he's working on and and experiencing the, the business side, like the business backend of, of entropy physiotherapy. And so that is different. In terms of uh, DPT education, because you're not really seeing patients. So, this type of thing that we're just literally throwing out there for the right. first time, we didn't even talk about this no, ever. Before.
1: No, this is good flow. Yeah. But
0: it's actually possible. It may sound crazy, but if, well, like when I was in DPT school, I couldn't imagine a student going on in a rotation and not seeing any patients. It just sounds like, yeah. What kind of rotation would that be? But like you just said, Ryan gets to experience more of the, the business side because he's going to be opening up his own practice yep. right after school. Right. And potentially there could be students in the future uh, having some type of rotation where it's understanding technology yep. and how you can leverage technology to reach and benefit patients. And it's basically the same thing as yep. treating patients.
1: Yep, exactly. Yeah. If you're going to, and that's the blind spot, um, the, of the, DPT programs out there. I think that's a massive yes. blind spot. Yes. That's missing is the business side. There's ninety thousand physical therapy um, businesses and forty five thousand um, businesses that are more outpatient. And then of those forty five thousand, I think it's ninety two or ninety three percent of those are individually owned. So that is a bunch of businesses that have been created from scratch. And we need to support that before we push right. these people out of the door from school, right. support that with some actual real now based business information, not 20 years ago, business information. I want to know how a business is started, what to look out for. And I, I really would urge all the professors that are in programs now, because there are younger professors that are my age and younger helping run these programs There needs to be more of an influence and a push to say, okay, if we're going to make our profession grow, we need to set these people up for success. Even if they don't open a clinic, I think the proof is going to be in the pudding and seeing how successful Ryan is right off the bat. And that can be a a beacon for half of these DPT programs to look at and go, oh God, maybe we need to rethink things. Even, even seeing patients on the
0: side, because you, as you mentioned with the home health talk that you had, that you and I had yesterday, um, if you're seeing patients on the side, whether you have your own PLLC or your own practice, and you're seeing patients outside of your full-time job, you have to know some things about business, like pricing and, um, you know, branding or marketing. And so, we didn't really get much of that. I actually had only one business class. It was called health and business policy. I yep. graduated 2011. So not too long ago. Right. But in that class, we, we did have the, actually the instructor, she had previously opened up two pr- private practices. So it was right. someone that was in the trenches, which was great. Right. And in that course, we did have to create something brand new, whether it was a nonprofit or a private practice. And she made us go get, refine it, like down to the square footage of everything. Mm-hmm. And, pricing of the square footage in that area in Philadelphia. Right. And we had to cover a lot of those things and open up basically and launch a, a venture, right? Yeah. Did you
1: have anything like that in your curriculum? None. We had, um, the business course that we did have, man, I really don't think it touched on that much at all. We had, it was like, uh, it was really, really surface. It was kind of a waste of time to tell you the truth. I think that kind of got me in trouble a few times <laughs> trying to drill down and figure out what was something that was going to be applicable from the course. And uh that was I was kind of the why, why, why? I was still that kid, even in PT school. I'm sure that was annoying as crap to my professors. Oh, uh, you should always ask why. Uh, yeah, I did in regard. <laughs> I did. I would have I would have paid extra to have any sort of course like you had, creating almost like a virtual clinic, it sounded like, right?
0: Yeah, I mean it was planning everything up until, you know, like launching it and opening something up. Again, it could have been a nonprofit, it could have, could have been a private practice, right? Um, any any type of venture like that. So but I think it really helps that the program that we had, the the professor, Dr. Kay Scanlon, one of my mentors, she had previously opened up a clinic and then sold it to a larger private practice also owned by a physical therapist. Nice. Um, they had more locations. So she sold her, her location. And then at the time she was, uh, she had opened up her own like second location uh, her, her next business, um, like a solo office on her own. So it was great to have a professor that was in the trenches and has gone through all that and Mm -hmm. launched something out of zero, like from scratch. And so that's really important to have, I, I would say in academia and a DPT program because, um, you know, you do need the academic side, someone that does a lot of like research and understands, you know, the other side of things in terms of physical therapy. Right. But, uh, yeah, it was great to hear yeah. the, the business side.
1: That's awesome, man. Yeah. And if, I guess if, if they're not doing it in the DPT program, then we're going to do it here. So we'll, we'll educate the masses as much as we can. And then with that, a uh, little more, extra special individual attention with like the back channel you were talking about. I think that would be a good way to go with it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Great.
0: All right. So anything else for the episode to touch on or review on? I don't
1: think so, man. I think we covered some good bases and put out some good information.
0: All right. Well then until next time, take care and, uh, let us know if you have any comments, feedback, either on the Wistia video, Yep. Uh, you can email us because you heard our emails, or uh, drop us a note on Twitter, and uh, we'll talk soon. Take care, right. everyone. See ya.